Hi, this is Keith, and welcome to Klezmer Podcast 129 for May 25th, 2016. The website is klezmerpodcast.com, and you can write to me at keith at klezmerpodcast.com. You can also find Klezmer Podcast on Facebook, Twitter, MySpace, Last.fm, Pinterest, Instagram, and Snapchat. I also invite you to check out the monthly Klezmer Podcast playlist on Spotify. My guest on this episode of the podcast is clarinetist Paul Green, who has a new album of jazz-based Klezmer entitled Paul Green, Music Coming Together, Performed by Two Worlds. This is a really wonderful album, and we'll get a chance to listen to a track from it a little bit later. But right now, here's my interview with Paul Green. Hi, this is Keith, and uh, welcome to Klezmer Podcast. Today I have uh, on the other end of the line Paul Green, Klezmer clarinetist. And uh, Paul, thanks very much for joining me today. Welcome to Klezmer Podcast. Well, it's a pleasure to be here. <laughs> pleasure to ha- actually have you here. <laughs> good, um, good. <laughs> I've I got your uh, your latest album, uh, Paul Green Coming Together, performed by Two Worlds. Right. And uh, it's really fabulous. It's something different from uh, what I've heard before, uh, mm-hmm. combining uh, different aspects of uh, klezmer and jazz. Correct. Um, That's exactly what it is. So the first question is, new why well because i've always been attracted to both genres um i think that they're both highly emotive genres of music and i grew up um well i i didn't play klezmer professionally until much later in life but i grew up you know kind of playing along at people's bar mitzvahs and uh kind of learning a lot of jewish songs when i was a little kid so I've I've always kind of had that music inside of me, and um, I've always been I've always felt that I've had jazz inside of me right from the beginning as well. Uh, it's one of been been one of my great loves. Uh, when I was a kid, uh, my parents bought me an LP. Uh, they had LPs in those days of Louis Armstrong uh, playing uh, an LP of uh, music he recorded on a State Department tour in Europe. And I just completely fell in love with it. I was just knocked out by his playing. He's been one of my idols ever since. And um, I've always felt that those two sides were both kind of within me. And um, I, I, went, I was originally trained as a classical clarinetist. I went to Yale and Juilliard. But I always had this yen to play other kinds of music. And later in life, I took up klezmer music, and then actually even later than that, I went back to school and got a second master's degree in jazz performance at Florida International University in Miami. So then I started kind of combining everything. Wow. And I must say, it you know, you did a, a great job with it because the klezmer is really authentic klezmer, and the jazz is, you know, uh, both traditional and contemporary jazz. So, uh, yeah, you know, uh, kudos on, on both ends of the scale there. Well, what I've always been 
searching for, I guess it's kind of an artistic search of mine, which is kind of a lifelong search, is to try to find commonalities, common ground between the different art forms, different genres of music. Uh, you know, what makes something expressive in one form versus another form. Um, in uh, classical music, for example, you, you're expressive by kind of leaning into notes or playing a particular note with a particular attack or a particular uh, articulation or uh, crescendo or diminuendo. In jazz, you, you're expressive by the actual creation of the melodic line yourself, and that becomes part of your expression and klezmer music is a kind of sort of like a little bit between the two. Uh, there is melodic embellishment in klezmer music. So you don't just play the notes that are printed on the page, but you don't completely get rid of the melody the way you do in jazz. So it's um, you kind of have a little bit of the expressiveness, the melodic expressiveness in classical music, but you have also the creative expressiveness in jazz. And I thought it would be an interesting and rewarding thing to try to see where both things could kind of try to come together and fuse. It's kind of a life, it's a life work, I would say. I want to make more recordings uh, after this as well. Um, yeah, I was going to say, I hadn't been familiar with uh, with you or, or your work until uh, just recently here. Is this your first recording of any kind or, or is this the first recording of oh, a klezmer or what? No, I, I made a, a klezmer, a straight klezmer recording called traditional favorites that I, I made myself. Um, and it was not on a label and I did a lot of traditional klezmer tunes, including a couple of Yiddish theater tunes. Uh, but that was really more straight klezmer. That was not really, uh, it was not a jazz album a jazz cd this is really different i could only have made this after i got my master's degree in jazz performance where i really learned a lot more about about the jazz idiom and the jazz and jazz as an art form right because i i've heard a lot of other uh jazz klezmer uh recordings that people have done mm. and generally they tend to be uh, jazz in in a you know in a Jewish scale, uh, improvising a jazz style just over uh, the Jewish scales. Yeah, um, I think John Zorn has done a couple of albums like that. He's he's got a couple out. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. They're very good, I think. Oh yeah, they're, they're they're fantastic. Well, I think one tune that you may be referring to is Dragasa Niggin. Uh, right. which uh, in, it means the street tune in, in Yiddish. And I do start off by playing uh, the basic klezmer melody, but uh, at least for the first part of the tune. But interestingly, the second part of the melody in Der Gassenigen, of the original melody, is really is really has only one chord. And it's all in what's called a Mishaberach scale, which is one of the Jewish scales, which actually happens to be rather close to a blues scale. It's not the same, but it has a lot of common elements with a blues scale, so it kind of lends itself to a kind of a jazz treatment 
but the thing about it is when you when you, when you take the scale that Gossenigan employs anyway and play it in a more jazz like style, you're still retaining a lot of Jewish elements in my opinion. Because a lot of because most jazz musicians would not improvise on that scale. And that scale is actually part of the tune. Uh, it's really kind of it's really embedded in that tune in the entire second part of the tune. So what we do is we improvise in a jazz-like way, where we really can get rid of the melody entirely, just playing over the Mishabarak scale. And we a lot of us take solos on that, and then we go back to really the first part of the tune, which you know, we would call the head, and play. And play that really again in a more traditional klezmer style. Uh, one of the differences that between Jewish music and jazz is that Jewish music, I think, tends to be much more melodically based, uh, where the melody is king. You might say in jazz, I think somebody wrote a book about j- about jazz called "Where's the Melody." Uh, because in jazz, what they do is they take the chords. And they create their own melody. So, in a, in a certain sense, jazz is much more harmonically based. And I was trying to find a kind of a common ground where I could play klezmer music in more of a jazz style and kind of incorporate more of the harmonic qualities that jazz has, and then also play some jazz music in a more Jewish style and emphasize some of the melodic content of the original tune. And that's one of the things I was trying to do with Gossenig. And one of the other ones I tried to do was uh, my Funny Valentine, where I basically took most of Richard Rogers' melody, but changed a lot of the harmonies around so that they would incorporate some of these Jewish scales, which really kind of a created a jazz tune, but in a Jewish style, if I could put it that way. Sure. And it... it it definitely comes uh, across that way uh, on the recording and it it sounds fantastic uh well, not, well, not to mention the engineering i was really impressed with the engineering on the album too oh yeah i had a great a great guy from uh boston a guy named frank cunningham uh terrific recording engineer he was recommended to me by the president of centaur records uh, which is uh, the the company on the uh, on under which the album came out and Frank has worked a lot with Centaur Records, and um, I thought he did a great job. Uh, really outstanding in the editing process as well as in the recording process. Right, so I was, very, I was it, very very happy with him. It, it certainly comes through because I'm uh, kind of a nerd when it comes to the engineering side too. So I I, I appreciate a, a <laughs> well recorded album. Yeah, um, well, yeah, he's, he really did record it very well. He, you know, he's a real pro, and he's had a huge amount of experience. Interestingly, m- most of what he's done is classical music, I think. But, you know, he really took the time and trouble to kind of, you know, figure out what the different sounds were going to be with these jazz jazz players and klezmer players, and he adapted to it. So I think the sonority is, is an important part of the recording, actually, and I would have to give him a lot of credit for that. Definitely, I, I agree. Yeah. Um, well, uh, the next thing I, I wanted to ask you about is is uh, 
the other musicians on the album, where, where you found them and, and how you got, uh, got them to oh. do the project. I, you know, I see you've got, mm-hmm. uh, you know, the standard jazz, uh, you know, piano bass drums and then, uh, another sax and, uh, guitar. So right. are they jazz people? Do they have any familiarity with Klezmer before you, uh, threw this at them or, or, uh, uh what, what process li- did that go through? That's a, it's a, that's a good question, actually. Um, some of them have some Klezmer experience. The drummer, Bill Chapman, has played a lot of Klezmer music in Berkshire County for a long time. And, well, and he's played a lot of jazz as well. Uh, Dan Broad, the bass player, has played Klezmer music with me. Um, I think Bruce Crasson has played some Klezmer music, although this is the first Klezmer album he did with me. Uh, Alan Simon, the pianist, and Mike Musalami, the drummer, I don't think had any klezmer background at all before they played with me. <laughs> but they adapted to the style very well, you know. I mean, that's one of the things that I've always been trying to get at, that in a certain bottom-line sense, music is music. And if you're really a good player, you can got to get a sense of a style and try to be expressive in that style. And I think that's what Alan and and Mike brought to it. They're both my colleagues, by the way, at the Hotchkiss School, which is a private school in Connecticut where I teach. Uh, Alan's the jazz piano teacher, and Mike is actually the head of the whole jazz program there, the guitarist. Oh, great. So, uh, so are you uh, sliding some, some klezmer into the jazz studies there as well? Well, I've done that. Actually, you know, last fall, last semester, last fall, I taught two courses at um, Bard College at Simon's Rock in in, uh, Great Barrington, Massachusetts. And one of the courses was uh, a music history course where I kind of explored the influence of both Jewish music and African-American music on American music uh, in the 20th century and how the two cultures kind of overlapped and each influenced each other. In a way, it's related to the whole theme of this CD where I'm trying to show how some these 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 two cultures kind of influenced each other and learn from each other. Uh, for example, I mean, one of the, I guess you might say the original jazz klezmer fusion music was embodied in music from the yiddish theater uh i'm thinking of tunes like by mir bis uh and one of the ones that i recorded on the cd called shane vida lavana which are very jewish sounding tunes and they can be played in a very jewish sounding style but the form of these tunes is a standard american 32 bar AABA form, which has been used by thousands and thousands of jazz tunes. So, in a sense, the form of the tune, which was, which came from the United States, from the composers who wrote for the Yiddish theater, but who were Americans, really, you know, they took the form from the American standards. So, even though they were they were played in this Jewish style, they couldn't help but be Americanized. And and kind of borrow heavily from the jazz idiom as well, I think. Right, and you've also uh, taken some of the other uh, klezmer Yiddish songs, uh, like, like 
Papa Rose and, and right. made them jazzier. Um, that's right. Well, so let's, yeah, because talk because, about that one for a moment. Well, Papa Rosen is, uh, we kind of, yeah, we kind of made it, uh, the first we played the tune kind of more or less as, as, as a klezmer tune. Although I kind of, I think, hammed it up in the beginning and kind of, uh, played it very rubato, almost like in a classical style. But then we kind of, uh, kind of Latinized it when we started improvising and, uh, kind of give it a lot more excitement, which is really not the way the original tune was. But, uh, the thing about klezmer music or Jewish music in general is it's kind of an, what I would call an open system where it can incorporate lots of different elements into it. I think that's been the strength of Jewish music through the centuries. I mean, uh, a lot of the Jewish klezmer dance forms were actually originally not even Jewish forms. They were taken from the dance forms in these various Eastern European countries where Jewish people lived. Um, I think uh, the doina, for example, is one of those forms, which is essentially a, a shepherd's lament from Romania. But Jewish musicians started playing these things, and eventually they became incorporated into the into the klezmer uh, songbook, you might say. But originally they weren't Jewish. Uh, that would, I think that's true of a Bulgar as well, which is a, a, also a Romanian, a Romanian dance. The share, for example, a lot of, a lot of shares in klezmer music. I didn't put one on this recording, but there's a lot of shares. That's S-H-E-R. That's a Russian dance form. It's what's called a scissor dance. It's kind of a medium tempo dance where I think most of the dancing is done from the waist down. It's mostly like from the legs. And sure. that became, um, Jewish musicians heard these dances and um, kind of incorporated them into their style. So I was kind kind of trying to do that. I, I mean, I think the Yiddish theater composers incorporated some of the American standard form into their style. And I, in my own way, I was trying to do some of that myself on, on, this, on this album. In, in, a, in a certain way, I was continuing the Jewish tradition, you might say, of kind of opening myself up to other forms, which I think is really part of the Jewish tradition for a long time. Of course. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Um, I'll ask you about one more because, uh, you know, my, my hero, uh, being a trumpet player, your Miles Davis, uh, oh, tune, yeah. uh, so new. Right. Um, <laughs> uh, what, well, why, why did what that did one uh, get included here? Well, because uh, in in a way, it's somewhat similar to what I did with Goss and Niggin. Um, Miles Davis. That's that's what was one of the early modal jazz tunes. So new. Uh, so what? Sorry. So what? Uh, <laughs> right. Not, uh, he wrote it as so what, where he used just two Dorian scales, and uh, in 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 the um, in the tune and the. The block chords at the beginning of the tune are are essentially uh, voicings in fourths based on stacked up notes that are in the Dorian scale. Now, what I what I noticed is that the Dorian scale is actually very similar to a Mishaberic scale, which is one of the Jewish scales, which is tech from a technical theoretical point of view. The Mishaberic scale is nothing but a Dorian scale with a sharp four. And so what I did with So New 
is I took uh, when I took the chordal voicings, I added the sharp four to the chordal voicings. And when I had people improvise over the Dorian scales, I had them improvise over the Dorian scales, but with a sharp four, so they sounded much more Jewish. But really, the form of the tune, other than that, was exactly what Miles Davis did. It was essentially so what with these different voicings and different scales. So it had a kind of a Jewish cast to it, you might say. Right. And you know, you can you can do that in jazz. I mean, there's all kinds of scales in jazz that people improvise over. Sometimes they invent their own scales and they just start improvising over the scale so long as the scale will go with the chord. So the the Mishaberic scale will go with pretty much with a Dorian scale or or a D minor or or a minor 7th chord, which is the way Miles Davis wrote it. The Mishaberic scale is not that much different than any other scale that would go with a minor seventh chord. So that's why it works over Miles's tune. I'm getting pretty right. theoretical here, but that's what actually <laughs> was going on. That's quite all right. We, uh, we cover all the bases on, on this podcast. <laughs> okay. Uh, Fair enough. So, uh, well, with, with that in mind, uh, let me make a, a little suggestion for your next album. Maybe do a, a Clifford Brown number. <laughs> uh, you know, do something along the lines of Cherokee, you call it, you know, the Lost Tribe or something. Oh, that's an interesting idea. <laughs> <laughs> Cherokee's a great tune. I'd, I'd, I've never actually recorded that one, but uh, <laughs> I mean, you could, I suppose. I mean, I, Clifford Brown did a great recording of Cherokee, <laughs> actually. Um, one of the, interestingly, what I'm starting to do now, uh, and I'm sort of in preparation, sort of long term for the next album is to try to compose some of my own tunes. Uh, interestingly, the, all the tunes on this album were actually written by other people, people other than myself. So what I did is I took, I, I made a jazz tune more Jewish or I made a, Jew, a Jewish tune more jazz like, but what I'd like to do for the next one is compose some of my own tunes, which in and of themselves incorporate elements from both genres. So that would be kind of a new thing for me. I think that's where I'm going. Uh, I'd, I'd be very interested to hear that because uh, to hear, you know, something original in this combination of, of styles would would really be, uh, you know, quite interesting. Yeah, I, I'm I'm hoping so. I mean, one on the of, theoretical side. <laughs> yeah, well, it, it hopefully will work out. I mean, what I'm really trying to get at is what makes something expressive. And I, I have a very strong sense that when you get down deep enough, the expressivity in one genre is really essentially the same as in another genre. You just kind of get to your feelings in a different way in each one of these genres. In jazz, it's more purely improvisational. Klezmer somewhat, but not as much. Uh, cl- classical music, not as much at all. You're really kind of bound to the notes that are on the page but within that you you are in a, in a lot of ways very very expressive of what you do with the notes on the page so but i think ultimately you're trying to get the same feelings out and that's kind of what i'm after in a long in the long term trying to figure out what how each genre gets to the feelings 
And I guess that's what attracted me to jazz and klezmer in the first place, because they both seem to me to be very emotive art forms. Right, because uh, it's easy to say jazz and klezmer because there's there's a lot of stuff uh, out there, even festivals that are you know have uh, jazz and klezmer as even the the name of the thing. Mm-hmm. So uh, it, it's it's definitely something that kind of uh you know goes together well and yeah uh, i i think so i think i mean i think there's always been this kind of alliance if you will between african-american music and and jewish music they the the two cultures kind of existed in the early 20th century and they were both struggling each in their own way but in a certain way that gave them a certain it, it brought them closer together i would say I mean, from a historical point of view. Certainly. You know. Um, very good. So if, if people uh, want to find uh, out more about uh, music coming together or more about you, um, where can they find more information and, and find the album? Oh, well, the best place is to go to my website, which is www.paulgreenmusic.com. And my concert calendar is up there. Uh, it show it gives you a way to to get the CD through Amazon or iTunes, and uh, you know other concerts are coming up, and certainly, and uh, they can they can check out my calendar uh, through there. That's that's probably the best place. Great. Well, congratulations on a wonderful album. Um, I I really love this. It's it's different from. Uh, everything else I've I've heard, and it's it's uh, you know uh, authentic uh, on the Jewish side and authentic on the jazz side. So the jazz people will love it. The Klezmer people will love it. And, well, thank uh, you, thank you. Uh, uh, I, I will say that actually, I uh, the album reached the um, for four weeks was on the CMJ Top Forty Jazz Chart. So it actually it made an impact on the straight jazz audience. It was competing against, you know, much more mainstream jazz uh, recordings, and it it you know it stacked up uh, well, at least in terms of the playing that it got on on the radio stations. Oh, that that's terrific! Congratulations again, Mazel Tov. Oh, that's that's uh, thank you. That's great because you know it, it's that means people are taking it seriously as as a jazz recording. Yeah, I think so. Very good. Well, I, I'm certainly glad we finally connected. And uh, yeah, you too. thank you so much for your time. Sure. And uh, continue good success with everything. Well, thank you very much. Thanks for having me on the show.
den, zdraví vás Lenka Lichtenbergová z Toronto v Kanadě. Posloucháte klezmerpodcast.com. All right, I'm back. That was my interview with clarinetist Paul Green. And we heard the track Terrace Doina and Blues from the album Paul Green, Music Coming Together, performed by Two Worlds. I'd very much like to thank Paul for appearing on the podcast today and for providing the track for us to listen to. Again, the website is klezmerpodcast.com, and if you have any questions, comments, suggestions, or if you have a band that would like to appear on the podcast or have your music played, or if you have a recent or soon-to-be-released album you'd like me to review, please write to me at keith at klezmerpodcast.com. Don't forget you can also subscribe to Klezmer Podcast on iTunes. And as always, the music heard on Klezmer Podcast is for promotional purposes only and is used with permission. So that's about it for Klezmer Podcast 129. Thanks for listening. Please stay subscribed, tell your friends, and until next time, bye for now. Bye for now.